In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me, Dominic. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Pamela? I'm doing lovely. So grateful to have you here today, Dominic. You are a rock star. You have started so many businesses. You've got your podcast. You've got all these amazing things happening in your world. And now I always start off with the most loaded question because I love okay. the question. You ready for it? Well, we'll see what the question is. What inspired you on your journey to where you are today? You know, I don't know. I I did an exercise once. I'm in a business club and they have these interesting exercises to start the meetings. And and somebody opened the meeting by saying, hey, everybody write down what the quiet voice in your head says when you're not talking or doing something else. And I'd never thought about it before. And when I'm quiet, the only thing I hear in my head is somebody yelling, go, like, go. That's all I hear like just charge. And so, you know, I came from a European background like you did. I'm Italian, you're Albanian, but my parents weren't, aren't entrepreneurs, right? I, I don't know. I'm just a wacko. We've talked about a little bit about chaos and all the madness and all of that. Now, as an entrepreneur, it always starts early. So question for you, yeah. what do you want to be when you grew up? You know what? I still don't know. I came to entrepreneurship through sales and I remember, I think it was in grade seven, the, the, the school gives you these boxes of chocolates to take around to sell door to door. Well, my school gave us licorice. So we sold licorice door to door. And I didn't know they gave us this big box and in the box were other boxes. And I thought my job was to sell all the boxes. So I did. And then we went back to school and the teacher said, everybody hand in your money in your boxes. And I said, my box is empty, but here's the money. And she's like, you know, everybody else had sold one or something. So that was where it kind of first started. But I'll tell you, my first company ever, like my first formal company was a business called the Yo-Ho-Ho Light Co. I installed Christmas lights on houses. No way. In the Pacific Northwest on cedar shake roofs with a staple gun. I shouldn't even be alive. What? I shouldn't even be alive. Yeah, I know. That was my first formal company. The first company I sold was a pool cleaning business. And I sold that by accident. So this Christmas one with the Christmas lights, yeah. how old were you when you started that one? I was in grade 12, grade 12. I was driving. I had a Toyota pickup truck. If you ever saw uh, Back to the Future, the Mirage Toyota pickup truck, like he had, that was my truck. And oh. I had a ladder on the top. And I, you know what, I, I, Pamela, I just started by saying, what can I do that people, other people don't want to do? And what tools can I use that other people don't have? And I realized people are afraid of ladders. And I was too dumb to know I could be afraid of ladders. And my dad has a horrible class one. I don't think it's even a class of ladder. He probably got it at a flea market. The thing was rickety as heck. But I just strapped it to the roof and I started knocking on doors. And I said, do you want me to? I install Christmas lights. And that was how it started. What? So how many houses did you end up doing? Like, what? Oh, I mean, I was a student. I didn't know what I was doing. I still had two jobs at the time. I was a bartender. I was a lifeguard. And I don't remember how many jobs I did, but when I did the math at the end of the first season, 
which is end of Christmas, right? I made 37 bucks. I was in the black, $37. I was so happy, but I, I knew I hadn't lost money and I don't know why I did. I just had to do it. That's so awesome. Well, I love the questions you were asking yourself. You know what I mean? Like oh. what's something that people don't want to do. I mean, that's like, that's how, you know, you're entrepreneur at heart. I mean, honestly, honestly, <laughs> just do that stuff. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Now, as a kid, did you have a dream to become anything when you grew up? The only thing I can remember is I wanted to be a veterinarian, but wow. not really. Like I really didn't have a goal like that. I was just before the call, Pamela, I was telling you my story about taking my son because we we're renovating a rental property, right? So while we're working on this property, my son's 12. He didn't want to be there. And I'm like, listen, when I was a kid, I remember getting ready for soccer and I'm getting my uniform on. And my dad comes to my bedroom door and says, go get changed. Today, you're painting a house. Okay. I didn't know what painting a house meant. All I knew is I wasn't going to play soccer. I was the captain of my soccer team. And so I just got changed into dirty clothes. And I went to my uncle's house in Italian called Zio. I went to my Zio's house. It was a rental property. And I learned how to paint. Wow. That was it. I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. But which, by the way, led to some pretty weird stuff because I still went to university. But believe it or not, I have a degree in archaeology. I know, I know. It doesn't wait, make wait. any sense. I'm, <laughs> no, a, that, I did not know that. <laughs> I know. I, I know. Also, so it's called a Bachelor of Arts with a, a focus on forensic anthropology. So I would have ended up working with like police or crimes to, to look at crime scene remains and identify the bodies. That's Don't insane. ask. Yeah, I, I know. It's say, hold on. So how did you get from... <laughs> In solid yeah. Christmas lights to pools to that archaeology. I would just love to hear. So to back up just a little bit, first off, you're yeah. European, you're Italian. I'm Albanian. I'm across the way from you. We're very much alike. Yeah. I used to live in Rome yeah. when I was little. My cousins still live yeah. there. Like, I totally get it. You know what's really cool about foreign parents is that they what? throw you into the fire. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. You're going to sink or you're going to swim. And either way, we're going to watch you. Yep. You're like, I'm going to paint. I'm going to do what? That was me. Like when I started when I was 10 at my at my father's, you know, I'm, I was like, dad, I, I want to come. I want to work. He's like, OK, then stay at the front and just talk to people and just see, you know, yeah. what, what are they looking for? And all that, you know, and then no training. Just you go stay at the front yeah. counter. What? Yeah. Yeah. There's no straight lines, but I haven't worried about it. I mean, I guess I did early days. It's easy to talk about successes, but failures. I probably learned. I have learned more from the failures I've had than the successes. Some of my successes sound great, but my failures, they just sound weak and dribbly and like, ugh. but that's where you, you just don't stop. Keep going. You're going to fail. Guess what? You're going to fail. Go fail and then get up and do it again because losers stop at the first try. Amen. Was I supposed that maybe came across harsh? It's the truth. Yeah. So, so Dom, I'd love to hear sort of your career path, how you went from again, the, the Christmas lights to the pool to then archaeology, yeah. and we could talk about some of the failures and successes along the way, but that is one hell of a path, and I really want to learn all about it. <laughs> uh, okay, so I started the Christmas Light Company because it was kind of fun, and I, I love Christmas, by the way. I love Christmas, like nobody loves Christmas. So I did that, and then I thought, well, I did okay with that during the winter. What can I do in the summer? And because I was a lifeguard already, I mm. put out advertising to clean people's pools, and so I started cleaning people's pools. Now, remember, we'd gone through Christmas. Now this was the summer after. And I bought a pump, like a pump to just clean the pools. And so I'm at the pool store. It's actually the, the, the hot tub store buying chemicals. So I've got my hands full of stuff. This is the end of the pool cleaning season. Remember, I'm still a lifeguard. I'm still a bartender. I'm cleaning pools on the side. 
some guy behind me in line says, hey, you want to sell your company? I've got junk in my hands. I turned around and said, yeah, 30 grand. And I exchanged business cards with him. That was it. That was it. I get a phone call from him. And he goes, will you take 28? So, but in his life, where I live, I live in Vancouver, Canada. There's an island called Vancouver Island. Many people know it if you've gone on a cruise. It's beautiful. But he was getting divorced on Vancouver Island and wanted to restart his life here. He was a pool guy on Vancouver Island. He happened to run into me at the store. So he got all the money from selling his house and stuff like that. And he just wanted to start again. So he got a couple of accounts from me. I gave him my pool pump and the pole. And that was it. I got $28,000. I went back to, uni- then I started university. What? Yeah. <laughs> I drank the money. <laughs> Listen, I was first year university student with like, I'm like, this is so easy. Just start a business, sell it by standing in line. Like, it's so easy. <laughs> Stupid. And I was making great money as a lifeguard and I'm bartending. Like money didn't come. I worked all the time. Wow. You know, I would sleep by passing out at home, like just absolutely fall asleep, exhausted, but then get up and do it again. And you just thought of like a random number in your head, 30K, and that was it. I had pool chemicals in my hand. I just turned around and went, yeah, 30 grand. I don't know. That number doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. But he said he came back and negotiated, and that was it. That's insane. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, it never got easier than that. That was the easiest (laughs) sale I've made. But then I went to university, and you know, I I sort of just bumbled through university. I don't really remember university, not because I was doing anything crazy, but I was just always trying to start companies or start businesses. That's incredible. So when did you declare your major of archaeology? Because I would love to know how you found interest. Was it like CSI or something? (laughs) Actually, yeah. Indiana Jones had just come out on on TV or on on, in the movies. But I, uh, my family is really big into hunting and fishing really, really big into that. So in Italy, they're the Carabinieri, but the forest police, you would call it, right? And so my whole family here is into hunting. And so just that hunting and outdoor lifestyle lent itself more to like Paleolithic hunter-gatherers and understanding more about them and how they hunted and just super interesting to me. So I gravitated, I got better marks in those classes. So I took more of those classes. That was it. And then before you knew it, I sort of looked at my sheet and I'm like, oh, I could declare a major. And so I did. And that was it. Incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, I made a mockery of university. Don't do university the way I did it. I just went, spent money, spent time. I was there for seven years, but I'm not a doctor. Like it, it took me forever. Oh my gosh. What an experience. Yeah. So, so throughout your journey, Dom, have you had sources of inspiration or mentors or people who really shaped mm-hmm. you and in, in your world throughout your journey? Yeah. So one of them is my uncle who I worked with as a framer. Again, summer times. I remember one of the things he told me, which I actually really admired. At first, I was hurt, but first day on the job, I show up and I'm like, Hey, Uncle Julio. And he goes, Stop. Don't call me your uncle. They're going to rip you apart, these guys. My name's Julio, or don't talk to me at all. I'm like, Holy sh, this is my favorite uncle. And he told me, Disown me, ignore me. He goes, Because these guys are going to rip you apart if they know you're my nephew. Mm -hmm. And so I just worked hard and I never called him my uncle, which is still weird to me. He's one of my favorite uncles. And Pamela, I have hundreds of family. Yep. So for him to be one of my favorite uncles, it's a big thing. He was certainly an influence for me watching him work, always happy working, always happy, swinging a hammer, carrying wood, whatever, but working hard. So that was an influence. And my parents really, even though they both worked in unions, they were just workers, but they worked. They wouldn't accept not giving your best. So I think those, those kinds of things influenced me. That's incredible. And so from university past that point, what was your trajectory like past that? Because you mentioned you're like, I didn't really learn much. Disaster. <laughs> Disaster. I thought I was going to become a real estate agent. So I tried that for a bit. I didn't like it at all. 
And then I have a, a natural affinity for sales. I love selling. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to sell my services as a realtor and I was going after this specific vertical called FISBOs for sale by owner. Yeah. Anybody who knows real estate would understand a FISBO. So it's the hardest thing you could do. Go to somebody who hates real estate agents and try to convince them to list their home with you. <laughs> so I'm sitting in front of this family and I'm doing my pitch, my presentation. And the, and the guy, the dad looks at me, he goes, do you like what you do? And I'm like, yeah, three pronged approach. We're going to list you. Oh, he goes, do you like what you're doing? I'm like, I love it. Three pronged approach. Do you like what you're doing? I was like, no, (laughs) I don't like it. So he was a headhunter, a recruiter. And he put me through an interview process and I got a job with Sprint, the telecommunications company. And it took me seven interviews, but I got a job and suddenly I was a corporate guy. Wow. Yeah. I was with Sprint for seven years after that. When I left, I was a a manager of the Prairie region. So the Midwest region, sales manager. That's how I got through all that. But boy, there's a lot of pain in there. There's a lot of eating barbecue sauce sandwiches because I had no money, no commissions. It was tough. Wow. Wow. And you're just getting into the corporate role. But at least it seems like you enjoyed it a little bit more than the real estate agent stuff, it seems like. Oh yeah. I didn't like being a realtor. I didn't like it at all. (laughs) I didn't. It wasn't for me. I love real estate. Don't get me wrong. And Pamela, you're a real estate mogul. You're building, you're you're doing what other people dream of. I love that part, but I don't want to be a real estate agent. And I know you're one of those too, but I I just, it's not for me. Oh yeah. No, I totally get you. I don't like anything that's like super, super salesy on my end too. And it's like, oh, mine is is like referral basis too. I'm like, I I don't like the whole, you know what I mean? Fishing, fishing for clients or anything like that. Like, yeah, if you're referred to me, like, let's go, let's, let's get it rocking and rolling. But like, the cold call and did like the sales stuff. I'm like, yeah. Let's jump forward on that. There's many versions of my life that took a path, but I'm actually a professional sales trainer. Mm. And I was, I used to work with a guy named Brian Tracy, who's a, oh, yeah. a very big name in sales and sales improvement and business and business improvement. And so I was his business partner. I bought the rights to franchise his business coaching concept around the world. Wow. And so that was the company just before this one. Now, when I bought it from Brian, we had six franchisees. And then over 13 years, I built it up to 237 units and I sold it. Rockstar. So how'd you go from Sprint to going back into your own businesses? See, I told you there's no straight lines. So I left Sprint. I, love I it. was messing around in corporate for a while. I started selling used junk on eBay. I was getting burned out as a corporate guy. So I would go to garage sales and flea markets and those storage lockers and I'd buy whatever I think I could sell on eBay. I would sell the stuff on eBay. And then we weren't making very good money, but my cousin and I started, we had all this junk and we started in my uncle's two-car garage, the same uncle, Uncle Julio, the guy who was the framer. He had a two-car garage that was empty. So we rented it from him and we started loading it with with crap and we're selling it on eBay. But there was a whole bunch of things going on. Our feedback rating was dropping. And so I got frustrated and I said to my cousin, listen, we got to change this business. This business doesn't work. And so I started reading a lot of books and I started reading how how to run a business properly how to turn around a company while it's already running instead of just shutting it. And then that's when I learned about business coaching. This is back in 89 or 90. And so I went to a coffee shop and we're not talking about a nice place. This was a half a gas station, half a coffee shop. And I sat there and I wrote out those questions again. How can I, how can I run a business that does this, this, and that? How can we sell products that people can understand easily, can ship easily, et cetera. And so I narrowed it down. We were going to sell books. We were going to sell magazines or we were going to sell records, like LP records. So whatever happened, I I narrowed it down to books. And then I said, oh, okay, well, if I want to sell books and this is the average sale cost of a book, because the internet existed at the time, I could check on Amazon or on 
another website or eBay. You can see how much a book could sell for it. I said, okay, I need 250,000 books in inventory. But Pamela, this is classic Dominic. I got bored. I got tired sitting at the coffee shop. So I didn't do the volume calculation for how much space 250,000 books takes. <laughs> logistics. So, logistics. Important. Yeah, whatever. I just got bored. So I left. I went to my cousin. I said, this is what we got to do. So we started selling books. I'm going to go faster here. From books, I started selling over-the-counter medications. From over-the-counter medications, we brought on a pharmacist. And then I turned into a mail-order pharmacy from Canada selling medications to the United States. So this is one of the success stories that makes it all sound easy. When I sold that business, we were doing $120 million in sales. I had a call center of 120 people, which because of my telecom background, I knew how to run call centers and how to manage call centers. And then I had 40 pharmacists and pharmacy technicians working for me. So I sold that. Whoa. Yeah. That's when I bought the global franchising rights from Brian Tracy. I sold that three years ago after running it for 13 years. Oh my gosh. Wow. See, there's no straight lines. I'm sorry. It, it might sound confusing. It makes sense to me, oh. but you can't plan it. You can't no. map it, right? It's it, it, I love the journey. I love the step-by-step because -step I know there's so much to it and it's never a straight line. And that's what I love. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing to be, you cranked out to 120 million in revenue, but you know what's really cool. And for anybody who's listening right now, you know, that job you took on in, at Sprint, right? Most people would be like, why the hell do you do that? Like, what is that for? But truly like, look at, because of your knowledge of what you learned there, you were able to apply it to your new business that then generated yeah. 120 million. And this is what I love about stories like this, where there's no straight lines, because you realize that one part of your journey is attached to another without you even yeah, knowing. somehow yeah, yeah and that's why i tell people i'm like just start somewhere because wherever it is that you're meant to be there's never a coincidence because whatever job no matter how minuscule it may look to you it has a purpose for your future to get you that even if it's not your dream job take it because something there will apply in the future don't just yeah. discount you know jobs any any job because you just don't know who you're going to meet at that you don't job, know what you're going to learn, what you're going to, you know what I mean? And like every piece of your journey has been applicable. You can work to learn or you can work to earn. I like to work to learn. Like, what did I learn there? I just got my nose broken on that deal. Oh my God. What did I learn? Because I don't want to do that again. It was horrible. I lost money. I lost my pride. Whatever I lost in that deal. I'm like, I better learn from this. Mm -hmm. There's no use doing that again. And so I, I like to learn from it. And then I try to make money along the way. You're amazing. And now you're your own business coach and you're fantastic. And you've got your podcast, the profit tool belt cabinet, yeah. you want all these amazing things. That's so through your franchise with Brian, and then you went off and you now you're doing your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. So even if you go back to the days at Sprint, what Sprint really taught me how to do was bring the that corporate structure of metrics and KPIs and, and knowing what to ignore and what to pay attention to. So they kind of trained me as a business coach at the very beginning of it. After I left Sprint and while I was running the bookstore that became a pharmacy, I also became a business coach. And so the business coaching, I learned how, and so my specialty in business coaching is turnaround. There's mm -hmm. different specialties you can be as a business coach, like anything. Yeah. And I'm the guy who can show you how to rebuild the plane while you're flying it. That's my specialty in the in the world of business coaching. And I like small to medium businesses and I like working with my uncle Julio. I love contractors. And so when I decided, you know, I'd sold the business with Brian Tracy, this is just now three years ago, mm -hmm. like I got to do something that I love. I don't want to travel anymore. I'm so tired of travel. So I host two podcasts for the construction industry and I help construction owners all over the world. That's incredible. I love that you're in your niche. And I always say 
Riches are in the niches, my friend. That's right. You're right. Yeah. You're so right. Know the niche and then just hammer it. Oh, yeah. Because if you know your avatar, I mean, you know exactly how to market and who to market and how to speak to them and all that. Right. If you're good at bathroom renovations, don't do fences. Do the bathroom reno. Right. And if you're good at fences, maybe don't do bathroom renovations either. Like whatever... Whatever your specialty is, own it and be really good at it. And you'll figure out how to have a great business, make great money, enjoy your life. Amen. Amen. I mean, I see your uncle's been a big influence in your world, which is so fun and cool. So, so fun and cool. Now, in the sphere of business coaching now, because you've seen you've built your own businesses and then you've also helped other people build their businesses. What are some of like the key points of advice that you would give in creating a business. I mean, it could be broad or it could be specific to the construction, whichever one you feel called. Oh, so there are so many places to start, but first I think get your own ego off the table. Be ready to be a student because what got you here makes you great. But if you want to get to something different and it's not always revenue, Pamela, you know that it's not always about money, right? It's about time. It's sometimes it's about taking care of your parents. You need a a business that can give you balance so you can take your daughter to dance after school, like whatever you want to do. Right. Right. Whatever that is. Okay. Now make the business fit that don't do it the other way. So figure that out, but then go out there and be ready to be a student and to learn. You ask me what secrets I have. My book is called construction millionaire secrets. There's 20 secrets in there. That's not the purpose of today's meeting, but there's a book, you know, where I wrote down the big things I learned in boardrooms and in construction trailers all around the world. Just get out there and learn. Please don't assume that you know it all. And then don't assume that you don't know it all. It's a fine balance. Go out there and test things and see, oh, that didn't work. I better try something else. Hey, who can I ask? One of the things that I've learned now on this is going to be my third or fourth iteration of a business is I'm just hiring smart people. I'm Mm -hmm. done with trying to do it myself. And I know Pamela, you and I just before the call were joking because I was cleaning out a rental apartment this weekend. I should have hired a guy. Every minute I'm there, I'm like, why didn't I hire a guy? And I'm (laughs) shoveling broken drywall into a bucket. We named the bucket Steve. Like we just had fun with it, my son and I, but what are we doing, right? Anyways, I now believe hire the right professional, right? right? Hire an engineer, hire uh, somebody who's a home inspector who knows what they're doing. Give me the, the right information. Hire a coach. I'm not saying me. I'm just hire the information because you can buy that info faster than you can go learn it on your own. It's a waste of time and money. Hire the yeah. right account. You maybe have to get rid of your account. Get the right account. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Now, to the entrepreneurs listening that may be struggling with that whole uh, piece of outsourcing, right? Like yeah, what you're talking yeah. about right now, because that's the hardest thing for an entrepreneur to do is to let go and bring in more people. I know I've struggled with that. I'm working on it still day by day, yeah. but it's a hard thing to do. So what would be your best piece of advice in terms of that? Because that's one of the keys to becoming a successful entrepreneur. You need yeah. to back away from your business and let people who are better than you do their job. Yeah. It's, it's so funny you say that because that's the direction I'm taking right now. So I brought on uh, two practice leaders in my business. One of them that just does accounting and one of them that just does marketing. Because what I found is when I'm showing people how to turn around their businesses, there's gaps. You know, they're very good technically. They know how to weld or they know how to do steel roofs or they know how to do flat roofs or they know how to do shingle, whatever, right? Or they knew how to do cabinetry. But what they don't know is marketing, which is fair because they didn't grow up wanting to be a marketer. They grew up wanting to be a cabinet maker or work in cement, whatever it is, right? So I have a marketing specialist on board and I have an accounting specialist on board. Those two things 
Those are like your, your generals going into battle. When you have those generals in place, you can grow the business any direction you want. Because when you need data, you go to the accountant. When you need action, you go to the marketing person, right? So the marketing is like your horses and your tanks and all that stuff. And the person in the back is your accountant saying, you know, we only have food for three more days, right? Or whatever the battle plan is. So you, but you need those generals in the background helping you so you can steer the ship. So that's my goal now is I want to make sure people have the right information to make the, to make the right decisions for them. So I've changed my practice now to bring in Raul and Mark to help me with that. That's fantastic. And you're basically letting them do their things. Basically, you just got to let go of the reins. You let go of the reins, but you still tell the horse where to go. Mm, right. You so go. you say to the marketing person, in this case, Mark, you say, Mark, this is what I want to create. Mark, here are the numbers that we're going to measure success by. What does success look like? This is the corporate speak. This is Dom at Sprint now. This is corporate Dom talking. What does good look like? Let's put that on paper. Once we agree to that, I'm going to hold you accountable to that. And that's how we're going to have this meeting. Same thing with the accountant. Mm -hmm. And then let them go. I've hired good people. Trust them. When they screw up, hold them accountable. If they keep screwing up, let them go. There's just no other way to shorten that sentence. Right. Right. But that's how it works. That's how I see it working. Love it. I love it. So basically you outsource the items in your business that basically you can then train them out. And then from there, I'm not excellent. Yeah. 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 Measure, measure. measure And I said, let them go too quickly. I don't mean let somebody go if they don't hit their metric. I work with them, but when I'm running a business that's $500,000, I have a certain set of systems. I'm actually running the perfect half a million dollar, $500,000 business. It's perfect. It's already running at 500,000 but it's not the perfect million dollar business. Mm. I need different systems. I need different processes. I might need different people, which is very difficult, Pamela, because the person you hired when you were at zero revenue, who lent you their truck when yours broke down, who took you to the job sites when you're only doing 250 grand a year, you owe those people a little bit. They're good people. And they got you to 250 or 500 grand, but they're not gonna get you to a million. And so you have to make some tough, but you can make kind and honorable decisions as you grow the business. Love it. Yeah. I mean, just basically putting those systems in place and then that's what's going to take you to the next level. Because I find that a lot of entrepreneurs, it's like the solo entrepreneur. What would you say to them specifically? The most important thing in Dom's book for the solo entrepreneur. Just keep going. Keep learning. If you're listening to Pamela's podcast, thumbs up. Keep listening to Pamela's podcast because you're amazing. You've got a great story. You're very inspirational. That's a magnetic force I can work towards. So to anybody listening to this show, keep listening to the show. And Pamela, please don't be offended. Go listen to other shows. Yeah. Like if you're listening to Pamela's show, go find somebody else who you find successful or who inspires you, or who at least makes you think a little bit differently, even if maybe they kind of get under your skin, but listen to them and then take action. And it's a slow process, but you'll get there. I love it. I love it, Dom. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And now like what's new in your world, Dom? Like what's the next six to 12 months looking like in your world? Well, You know, I've hired these two practice managers, Mark and Raul. I've also hired a guy named Dakota who helps me manage them. So that's going to be a big shift in my business. I'm putting a lot more emphasis on my marketing and on my internal systems. Because like anybody else, I'm really good at this level of business, but I want to grow it to another level of business. And I want to teach other people around me how to, I I want to help more people be successful and I can't do it one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Like one-on-one, I can maybe work with 15 or 20 people in the world. It's become so apparent. I have two podcasts and the amount of traffic I get, like people asking for help, I, right. I spend more time saying no. And I shouldn't really, I should have other options for them. So that's, for me, I've got to find out if I'm really going to help people, then I've got to change what I'm doing to help 
more people. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, have you thought about di- like digital courses and all that? Cause all that good stuff. Yeah. Comes out. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I have digital courses, but also bringing on Mark and Raul is what helps, you know, my, the sweet spot for me is businesses that are doing like a million to maybe eight or 10 million. Yep. Because those guys, those guys, people, they need those generals. They need a marketing general and they need an accounting general. They, maybe they need me in the operations, whatever, but they just need new people on their team to help them grow to where they need to go to go. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, I'm so happy to hear that the demand is there and everything. That's amazing. Mm. Everybody wants something more. And it's, and again, Pamela, it's not always money. You know, the most compelling, actually the most heart wrenching story I ever heard, you know, I'm having a conversation with people. I'm like, how can I help you? Like, Oh, I want to make more money. Okay. How many times have I heard? I want to make more money. But then I ask a few more questions and most people are pretty shallow with, you know, I want to make more money so I can do this. I want to buy a newer truck, a bigger boat, prettier cottage, nicer lake, all that stuff. And then one day this guy said to me, well, my mom's old and she's in a home. We can't afford more. She's in a shared room with three other ladies. So she's in a quad, it's called. Mm. And one of the other ladies in this shared room has dementia and she's up all night yelling and screaming because my mom can't sleep. And, uh, and she raised me and I need to make more money so I can get her a private room. She deserves that. Man, that guy was the best client ever because he knew his why. Like his why, take care of my mom. Not I want a bigger truck. I mean, no offense. If you want a bigger truck, that's great. But what's your real why, right? If your daughter wants to skate at a national level and you got to fly to Philadelphia every two weeks to do that, that's your why. Like you got to do that, right? So once people understand what's really driving them, everything else falls to the side. They're just, like I said, it's magnetic. It pulls me to that. I get pulled to shows, shows like yours. I get pulled to a goal like that. It's There's no pushing. It's so easy. You're just following towards it. You get my mom her own suite. How simple is that? But this guy couldn't do it. And so he, I helped him do it. That's incredible. That's incredible. Know your why. That's the number one thing. It's the number one thing. I mean, once I figured out my why and was intentional about it, that's when the yeah. game changed, right? Because it Can was- I ask you? Yeah, of course. Of course. What's your why? My family, my parents, you know, they, and my brother, you know, they made a huge sacrifice to come to the United States with nothing. Right. Yeah. And my thing was, I want to make sure they don't ever have to worry about a bill ever again in their life because of what they did for me, you know, to come yeah. with a newborn, my brother and me at five years old with none of our family here, didn't know how to speak English, barely had any money and didn't have a job lined up. That's scary. Right. Like you, you literally, they put it all on the line for us to have a better life. So it's like, of course I have, you know what I mean? Like you so driven. I'm like them. we are absolutely correct that your why literally like floats you forward like it becomes less about everything else and just all you can see is that you're like just magnetic it pulls me forward pulls me like the center of my chest just pulls me yeah my parent my dad tells me he goes i came home from work one day i went to apply for a new job and i came out took my jacket off and hung it up and somebody had spit on it he didn't know it was on the back of his jacket he goes i just want a job i just want a job but he walked through the shop and somebody spit on it because he's italian and at the time Italians were the dirtiest, mangiest. Why would you hire an Italian? And, you know, wow. He didn't know until he got home. He's like, who spit on me? And he really, I, when I walked through that shop, somebody spit on me. But you know what? He's probably the greatest worker you'd ever get. He's one of those Italian guys, though. When you put an assistant with him, he fires people. The four minutes come over and say, Joe, you're not actually allowed to fire people. You're, you're like a senior fabricator, but you're not allowed to fire people. And he would say, <laughs> this guy's an idiot. Get him out. But, uh, <laughs> But great, a great work. You know, he was a welder. I think it's the same, Pamela. My family, and maybe to go back to the question you answered earlier, 
yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. They came with nothing. Yeah. I wouldn't have the guts to do that. If you ask me right now to move to Paraguay and start again, mm-hmm. why Paraguay? Okay. Yep. And what am I going to do there? And who do I know? And where am I going to live? And what does it look like? And what's the weather? And yep. Yeah. Yep. They were like, my dad was like, my hell bent. He's like, nope, we're going to go to the US. This would be a better life. <laughs> Our kids, we're not staying here. Nope. Nope. So what an amazing thing. And your parents, my parents, like, you know, we're built this yeah. way because of them, which is absolutely incredible. A lot to them. And yeah. now, Dom, my favorite question for you. It is, what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? Chill out. Pamela, I do everything with passion. I sleep with passion. I eat with passion. I work out with passion. I'm in this interview with you right now with passion. Like everything's just like the moment. My older self would probably say, dude, you got to chill out. But at the same time, my older self would say, help more people. Like, I'm glad you helped some people. I I need to, whatever I do, I don't want to leave with a whisper. I want to, I want to make sure that when I go, this is actually what I want. And I know COVID has impacted this, but when I die, I want the church to be packed and flowing out on the street, not from people happy, I've gone, but from people going, damn it, he was a good guy. And they turn to each other. They don't even know each other in the crowd. And you go, you know, Dom helped me with this or that. And somebody else says, you know what? Dom helped us with this. Mm-hmm. That would be the greatest accomplishment of my life if I just helped a bunch of regular people. Amazing. And I think you're doing that already, Dom. Truly. I mean, I think you are, you know, slowly you're, you're trying to figure out how to expand your reach and you're getting there my friend you've already helped so many people and you're well on your way to help more and more so that's fantastic i love that i love your message of chill out too mine would be the same because i was always looking to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing i I was very rarely in the now and i still sometimes am that way and i try to reel it back and i'm like listen you got to enjoy the present it's a gift right for a reason that's why they call it present wow Oh, thank you, Dom. Thanks so much for sharing that. Now you got to let people know where to find you, Dom. Where, where can everybody find you oh, in your awesomeness? You know, unfortunately, these days with the internet, if you can't find me, you're not looking <laughs> because because my marketing guy, Mark, is really good. If you're in construction trades, and I know, Pamela, you probably have lots of people who are in the construction trades listening to you. I have a show called Profit Tool Belt. So you can listen to the show there or watch the YouTube videos. And then if you're in cabinetry or finished wood trades, I have cabinet maker profit system. So that's for people in cabinetry. And then I write articles all over the place and I speak at conferences and events. So I'm I'm relatively easy to find, or you can just find me Dominic Rubino on LinkedIn or through the website, which have the same name, Profit Tool Belt or cabinet maker profit system. Oh, and you can get the book called Construction Millionaire Secrets. Can I do this? Is that cheesy? Absolutely. No, please do it. Construction Millionaire Secrets. Dominic Rubino. You guys got to check that out. On Amazon. Love it. Love it, Dom. You are incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I absolutely loved it. I'm so grateful to have you, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. And just a reminder to anybody who loves Pamela, She's on my podcast too. So you can hear me at grilling her on the hot seat on my show too. Don't thank you so much. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode.